starting a brand new series this morning called Questions for God. And I'm so glad that I get to be here with you this morning. And we're starting this new series out, and really the purpose behind it is, is uh, we're going to look at some of the most common questions we as Christians have in our mind, or that we'll encounter through other people. And so we want to take a look at these questions and, and, and kind of bring a biblical perspective to them on what the Bible says. What does God say about these questions? And so we're going to tackle one of the tough questions this morning uh, that we've all encountered and that most of us probably even right now are dealing with, which is, why do I still doubt? Why do I still doubt? We all have doubts, don't we? Uh, Chantel and I, we recently uh, got a new puppy a few weeks ago, and I still doubt whether she's going to poop or pee in the house or not. I still doubt that, right? I still doubt that the Mariners are going to win anything this year. We, we all have doubts, right? We all have doubts in our life uh, about a relationship or a sports team or your puppy or whatever, but those aren't the type of doubts we're going to talk about this morning exactly. We're going to talk about doubts that go a little bit deeper than a new dog or a sports team. And we all have the doubts that I'm talking about. I'm talking about doubts that are in our heart, in our soul, and in our mind. And they're much deeper than some of those surface level things. I'm talking about uh, the doubts on if God says all that he says he is and all that he does, then why do I still doubt things about him? Why do I still doubt if he'll really still take care of me? Why do I doubt if God will actually take care of my needs? Why do I doubt if I'm really saved? Why do I doubt, like, did I actually do the right thing? And if I die tomorrow, will I actually go to heaven? Why do I still doubt? And those are the type of doubts that we're going to talk about. They're deep inside our soul. We doubt, will God really answer my prayer? Will God really heal my sick friend or my family member? Or will God really heal me? Does God even exist? We all have doubts deep inside at many junctures and points along the way in our faith. And many of us probably are there this morning. And so those are the type of doubts we're going to look at. Why do we still doubt? Let me tell you a story really quick. I had a professor in college. My first, uh, first class I showed up to, and I think it was Western Civilization. Really ironic that Western Civilization was essentially about like the exile of the Jews over and kind of like the whole Western movement. And this uh, professor who had to teach it was just so anti-Christian, really. And so it's just kind of ironic that he taught the class and it always made me laugh. But anyways, um, he started the class out by saying, does God exist? And everyone kind of intrigued in, and they're like, you know, oh, we're going to see what this professor has to say. And uh, he says, well, uh, Christians teach that God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, and all-loving. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, amen, bro, God is all-loving and all-powerful. And then he goes on to say, and he says, so then why did natural disasters take place? Why did natural disasters happen in the world? Why do thousands of people have to die from a tsunami or a volcano erupting, or some hurricane. If God was really all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, would there really be these things? Because if he was all-powerful, he'd be able to stop it. But he doesn't, so maybe he isn't all-powerful. 
Or maybe he is all-powerful, but he's just not all-knowing. So maybe he, he could stop it, uh, but he just doesn't know that it's going to happen. So even though he would if he could, but he just doesn't know it's going to happen. Or maybe it's that he's all-powerful and all-knowing, but he's not all-loving. Because he knows that a natural disaster is going to happen. He's powerful enough to stop the natural disaster, but he just isn't all-loving. So he lets people die because he doesn't love them. And then he kept going on to say stuff about, did you know this about the Bible and this? And did you know this? And the Nicene Council and the Book of Philip and all this other stuff. And he kind of ended this whole rant. It kind of took up most of the class with this last statement where he said, Christians, you guys are so weird. You wear a cross or a crucifix around your neck and you put it on your church and you put it on your teacher and you have this little cross dangling from your neck because that is a bloody instrument of death that you wear. He said, if Jesus Christ would have died by lethal injection, you'd all be wearing syringes around your neck. And I was like, all right, thanks, bro. See you later. Great class. But I left that class, many like probably most of the students, leaving that class going like, man, I have some doubts now. Because it was my first encounter with this very well-educated man who was really putting uh, his opinion against my faith. And it was the first time I really encountered that. And I, I went, man, well, maybe God isn't really who he says he is. Or really, is the Bible reliable? I mean, he's saying these things about the Bible. Is the Bible really reliable? Does, is Jesus really the only way? Like, I, I don't know. And, you know, as a college freshman, you're just like kind of exploring the world and stuff anyways. And, and I was just, I remember leaving with so much doubt. And I'm sure many of the students left with a lot of doubt. And so maybe you've been there before, too. Maybe you're currently there right now, where you, this morning you have doubts. Why do we have doubts? If God is all he says he is, we worship him and all this stuff, why do we doubt? We doubt because the world is broken, and that sin entered the world, and it broke our relationship with God. And so now we, as sinful people, we all have messed up lives, all of us, right? We're all messy, we, we're all sinful. You, don't, you never have to teach a toddler to be selfish, do you? It's just natural. You never have to say, okay, here's your toy, and when you have it, say mine so no one takes it from you, okay? You never have to do that. We naturally come into this sinful world wanting to do things on our own, and we don't like it when people do things for us. And so we come into this sinful world as broken people. We, who's ever had someone hurt them before? Like a friend, family member, coworker. You know. I wish I had your life. We all have. You guys are just lazy this morning, okay? It's the rain. We've all had people hurt us, right? Friends, family members, coworkers, classmates, teachers, coaches, pastors, churches, Christians. We've all had people hurt us. So then we get these hurts and we have these insecurities and we live in this sinful world. And now it's like, oh, I'm not really sure about you. I'm not sure if you can come in. I doubt if you're actually going to be a real friend because I've had people hurt me in the past. Or I doubt really this is going to work out because I've been here before in this other job. Or I really doubt if this whole God thing because I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by this pastor. I've been hurt by a fellow Christian friend. That we all have doubts because we live in a sinful world. Much like how sin and temptation is all around us, so is doubt. Because one, we live in this sinful world, but we also have uh, the enemy who is pitted against God to put doubt in our life anyways. 
When God wants to speak truth, the enemy, the devil, wants to speak doubt and skepticism. To say, I don't know if God really exists. That's what the enemy wants to do. And so we live in this fallen, sinful world. There's these other forces at play other than just good that wants to breathe doubt against God so we wouldn't fall, follow him and be in heaven with Jesus one day, but instead we would not follow that and that in the end, uh, the devil, the enemy wants us to not be in heaven, but to be with him. And so there's all these things at play. And so we live in a world just like temptation. You drive down the street, right? You see a billboard, someone cuts you off and you're tempted, you know, like you want to you wanna give them the bird or the horn or something. But we live in a world of temptation and it's all around us every day. And same is with doubt. We all have doubt all around us. So what do we do with that? What do we do with doubt when we, we wake up and we have that professor, we have that teacher, we have that friend, we have that family member that says, did you know this? Did you know that? Well, if, why wasn't the book of Philip added into the Bible? Or all these different things, you know, some of the stuff you might not know, but whatever. That we have these doubts. Is God really going to take care of me in this hard spot in life I'm in? Is he really going to get me through this financial crisis? I'm not really sure if he is, actually. We all have doubts. But people have doubted since the beginning of time. People have doubted all the way since day one if God was really going to care for them, if God was really going to bring them through. People even doubted when God came to the world in flesh as Jesus Christ. Here is Jesus, God as a man, walking around, performing miracles, healing sick people, recovering blind uh, sight to blind people. He's doing all this stuff, and people still doubted. We live in this sinful, fallen world, and naturally, we're going to doubt because of that sinful, fallen world. And even back when Jesus was rocking, people still doubted. And so we're going to look at this, this quick story where Jesus encounters this boy, this young boy and his father, and this young boy had been tormented by a demon. And, uh, and this, uh, the enemy had worked in this boy's life, and, and this demon was in him, and it was screwing up his life. It was... a uh, causing him to go into these, these seizures and all this stuff. And, and you know, it, was, it wasn't good. And so the boy and the father, they, they had kind of heard about Jesus, obviously. They knew that he could help, possibly. And so Jesus encounters them, and he starts talking to the father. He goes, so what's wrong with your boy here? Like, you know, how long has he been demon-possessed? And all this stuff. And so that's kind of where we pick up in Mark 9, 21. He asks the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Or how long has he been demon-possessed? He said, well, ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into, the, into fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart to help us. Jesus said, if. There's no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth that the father cried out, then I believe. So help me with my doubts. The boy's father had seen Jesus. He knew he had healed people, and performed miracles. He says, if you can do anything about my boy, would you do it? And Jesus said, there's no ifs. Why are you saying if? Anything is possible. And so the man, he kind of believes and buys into Jesus, and he says, okay, I believe you then. So what I want you to do is help me with my doubt. I doubt, I want to believe you. I want to trust you, but I want you to help me with my doubts. Not sure how many of you are in that boat this morning where you're like, I have doubts. 
I've seen Jesus. I've kind of seen him work before. I've, I've seen things happen, but I'm a little skeptical, and I'm not sure if he's, God's really going to take care of me. I'm not really sure if I start tithing, if God's really going to bless me in my life. I'm not really sure if God even exists. I'm not really sure if I'm even saved. You know, we all have these doubts. I'm not sure if you're there this morning in that same boat of this father of like, yeah, I believe in you, God, but man, I have a lot of doubts. Would you help me with that? And, the, and Jesus says, don't say if, just anything is possible. Notice how even the father rephrased how he talked to Jesus. First he said, if you would, would you help us? And Jesus said, no, 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 no ifs, anything. And then he scratched the if. He said, fine, help me. And we need to get a, in a pattern of speaking to God in bold faith. If we, want, if we don't want these doubts to kind of rule in our heart, in our mind, we need to get in a pattern of not saying, well, if, Lord, you would do this, kind of these puny, pathetic if prayers, like, if, God, you could help me right now, it would be kind of you. Thank you, maybe. Instead of these, like, puny if prayers of, like, well, if you would, Lord, would you maybe heal them? No, we, we need to get in this habit of asking in faith and having a firm faith of saying, God, heal my brother. Lord, take care of my family. Provide for me where I'm lacking right now, Lord. We need to get in a habit. Uh, and when we ha have doubts, remember the words of Jesus. It's not, God, would you maybe please help me with my doubts? It's, God, anything is possible. Help me this morning with my doubts. And we need to learn to have, this is the first thing, if you're a note taker, we need to learn to have selective hearing. Selective hearing, and this is what I mean by that. We play this game in youth group every now and then where you get like eight people up and you pair them up. So there's partners of two. And with one person, you blindfold them and you give them like an egg on a spoon. And they can't drop the egg on the spoon. But then they kind of have this obstacle course they have to get through. Their partner isn't blindfolded. And all, all they uh, have to do is just guide the person where they need to go just by using their words. So they say, you know, move left now. Okay, take two steps to the right. Now four steps forward. Okay, stop. Now take one step to the left. Now back up. Now go over here. But then you have, you know, the other groups. They're all talking to their people as well. And so if you're the person that's blindfolded with the egg, you kind of have to tune everything out and have selective hearing just on your partner who's guiding you. And when you walk, you just tune into that instead of all the other voices. And we will have thoughts in our mind go through. They're our own thoughts. Maybe they're external phrases that come in from whether it's TV or other uh, physical voices or other people or you'll, uh, through your sight, through like billboards or magazines or books. Or We'll have thoughts going through our mind. And the Lord is trying to speak to us all as well. God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you things and put thoughts in your mind as well. And no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, how old you are, doesn't matter. God wants to speak to all of us, and he's trying to speak to all of us. And so we need to learn to have selective hearing, to only allow God's words to penetrate our hearts and in our minds and to ultimately rule our lives and not our own thoughts. And let me explain by this verse. It comes out of Romans 8, 5 through 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 
The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Isn't that good? Don't we all want peace? All of us want peace. Can't buy peace, can you? But all of us want it. And that's what selective hearing does. In our world, and when we have kind of our own mind and our own thoughts that go through, that every day you're going to have thousands, thousands of thoughts go through your mind, whether they're about work or family or good things or bad things or temptations or whatever it is, thousands of thoughts being computed in your mind. And there's the mind that is governed by the flesh, what we want, kind of our own thoughts and minds and doubts. And when you allow those doubts into your mind and then those govern your mind on oh, this is what I believe about God. This is what I disbelieve about him. This is kind of what I think. Like, oh, I don't know about that. When that uh, governs the way we live our life, it ultimately brings death. Not physical death, but more of like this spiritual turmoil on the inside, this death between you and God. The, the, the areas where God wants to govern in our life, they're broken. But it says the mind that is governed by the spirit, that's where we find life and peace. That's where those doubts in our mind that are always swirling around, that's where those that brings peace because we have selective hearing to hear God's words and his voice instead of our own. Now that's kind of a big thing to go, well, I have all these thoughts in my mind racing around, like how do I know which one's God and which one isn't? One, with practice. But two, is uh, think of it a little bit this way. Doubting is much like temptation that we'll be tempted. Doubt, the presence of doubting isn't wrong, just like the presence of temptation isn't wrong. We will be tempted, and that's fine. It's okay to be tempted. We're going to be tempted every day, and, uh, but it depends on what you do with those temptations. So if you fall into them and you act into those temptations, then that is wrong, but it's okay to have temptation and then to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. Same with doubting. We'll have doubting all around us, but it depends on how you walk into it versus if you say, yeah, I'm going to kind of let that govern my mind and my, how I act. Or instead, I'm going to let God govern and what he says instead. And we're going to look at a little bit on how we do that. First, is let's look at Peter. Peter is an awesome guy. Peter's faith and his walk with the Lord was just like this. It was all around. And I love that about Peter. Peter's my favorite disciple in the Bible because he's just like me. He's just like us, right? I mean, his faith is all over the map. He tells Jesus one thing. He does another. He's just kind of like sporadic. But I think that's really a good picture of who we are. And, uh, and I love that. And so Peter, he's kind of, he's in his boat with some of his buddies. And Jesus comes out walking on the water to him. And, and Peter's, all, uh, they get afraid. And they're like, what, is this a ghost or something? And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter had already seen Jesus. He already had witnessed him. And, and then here comes Jesus walking to him, and he already doubts if it's God. He says, well, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you. He's already doubting if it's really God, because he's like this. You know, he's up and down and up and down. And so Jesus says, well, come. He says, come to me. So let's read in Matthew 14. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. He had this like bold faith, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk on water. And he gets out of the boat because he kind of is doubting. He's a little skeptical. And then he gets out on the water, and he's walking towards Jesus. 
But as he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Peter began with this like huge faith, uh, you know, stepping out on water. But as he's walking out, you know, the, the thoughts swirling, just like it's natural to have thoughts go through your mind. And those thoughts that were going in his mind most likely were along the lines of something like this. Peter, what are you doing? You're walking on water. You're going to die and drown. It is not real to walk on water. Like, look at the wind around you. You're going to die here. And so the doubt started going through his mind on, Jesus isn't going to save you. You just made the dumbest decision of your life. You're out on water. And so he began to sink. The doubts, he let the doubt govern his action versus that were God's word when he said, don't be afraid, come to me. That was God's word. But then he had his own mind and his own fleshly desires and his own doubts that said, Peter, you're going to die. You're going to drown. And what he did is he had a choice to either step in and allow his own mind to govern his actions or he could have selectively chosen to hear, well, I'm just going to hear God's words that says, don't be afraid. Come to me. And so he decided not to do that. And he began to sink. And Jesus said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? We need to choose to hear God's words. Now, in situations, there will be, always be uncertainty, which is different than doubt. Uncertainty is, even if I pray in faith, God, heal this person, we're still uncertain if God is going to, what he's going to do. And that is totally okay, that we may pray for a sick friend, uh, you know, have this faith, kind of selectively hear God's words, not to doubt. And even though we do that, it's still going to be uncertain if God is going to heal them or not. But we still need to have selective hearing to, to, to hear God's words. In times when the wind and the waves, life comes around us, will we be governed by our own mind and our own thoughts and doubts, or will we, will we be governed by the Holy Spirit and his minds, which brings peace? We need selective hearing when we doubt. If you've ever doubted, man, am I really saved? Would God really love me when we start to have those thoughts? I'm not good enough. God really couldn't love me. Do you know what you've done? Instead of hearing those words, we need to selectively hear and know God's word, which we hear Romans 8.38, which says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor debt, nor anything else uh, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to selectively hear that that says, you cannot be separated from God versus, oh, you're not good enough. You know what you've done over the last couple of years? Selectively hear God's word. We need to selectively hear God's word when, when, we, when we pray and think like, would God really heal me? Would God really heal this person? Is he really gonna do that? Instead of those thoughts and those doubts that come up, we selectively hear the words of God that say, there's no ifs. There's no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. We selectively choose to hear those words and say, yes, that is what God says, and that is what, how my life is going to be governed. We need to selectively hear when we doubt, will God really take care of me? Is God really going to fulfill and, and take care of my needs in life? Is he really going to get me through this time? Instead, we need to selectively choose to hear the words of God where he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink or about your body? What will you wear? 
It's not, is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? We need to selectively hear God's words and say, that is what God says. That is how my life is going to be governed. And through that, I'm going to have peace, knowing that God is going to take care of me. I'm going to have peace knowing that God can do anything. I'm going to have peace knowing that there's nothing in this world that can separate God's love from me. We need to have selective hearing to hear the words of God and not the doubt. But that's not just it. We need to have a rock-solid faith in Jesus. Too many times, like Peter, up and down, right? We're up and down, the same thing. Too many times our faith wavers back and forth. Too many times when we go through hard times in our life, we feel like, well, God isn't a part of it. God couldn't do this. God couldn't do that. He wouldn't heal. He wouldn't take care. He wouldn't get me through. We have doubts. He probably doesn't even exist. He doesn't even know who I am or care for me. We have doubts, and we don't do anything about them. So we need to, we need to take a stand. That's the next thing. If you're a note taker, write it down. Take a stand on the Bible. Take a stand. Here's what uh, Jesus says in Mark 11, 22 through 24. He says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw itself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. When we pray, it's not ifs. If, God, you would do this. It's, God, heal them. God, provide. I need you. I need you in my life. I want you to reveal yourself to me. Even that there's uncertainty on any given matter, we always ask God in a bold faith, unwavering faith. And even if the outcome is not what we hoped for or what we thought, we still selectively hear God's word that said, what? I will do all things and they'll all come back and be good. Everything I do will come back and be good. We still selectively hear that even though the outcome's not the same, I work all things for good, everything. So we don't doubt. We have that selective hearing in the words of God. And we, we ask boldly and we have this rock-solid faith that is unwavering. But if we're going to have that rock-solid faith that's unwavering where we, we speak truth and we ask God boldly in prayer, and uh, we need to take a stand. One, be bold in our prayers and do that. But we need to take a stand about our doubts on the Bible. We need to take a stand on what does the Bible say. We need to know the Bible. So many left that college classroom like I did with a lot of doubts. But so many people would be my guess is they left that and they're like, well, maybe God isn't as powerful as I thought he was. Or maybe the Bible isn't reliable. Or maybe Jesus isn't the only way. And my guess is many of the students who left that class did nothing about it. They didn't do anything about it. They just kept going on their day, going on their life, and just did nothing about this doubt. And so this doubt began to like fester and brew in them. And then it, 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 it kind of shaped the way they believe about God. It shaped that. And now they became governed, their own mind, their own doubts, their own thing. It started to govern their life, which brought death between them and their relationship with God. When he says, no, 
I want to govern your life. Instead of doing something about it, going and asking questions, asking a, a friend who is a, a Christ follower, asking a pastor, what do you think about this? There's something called Google, and you type in it, and then amazing resources come up. There's amazing um, uh, theological resources, and there's a, 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 a amazing uh, biblical commentaries and apologetics on the internet. And I wouldn't trust like, you know, wikipedia.tv or something like that, but we can trust some really good things when you Google stuff and, and, and then take a stand on, okay, here's this doubt that this friend, this family member, this person, they asked me this question and I'm like, oh, I don't know about my faith anymore. What am I going to do? You need to take a stand on what does the Bible say. So then when that doubt comes in, you go, yeah, I don't know, it may be, it's kind of funny, it's kind of weird, but here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, there's no ifs, anything is possible. The Bible says God will take care of my needs. The Bible says he does want to be in a relationship with me. The Bible says he does know me. That is what the Bible says. And if we don't take a stand on what the Bible says, then the doubts, they govern our mind. Because we don't know God's word. We don't know what God says about it. So then instead of allowing to hear God's words and to hear what he says to have peace in our life, because we want peace. Instead, we don't know God's word. The only thing we know is what? Our doubt. And then that is what governs our mind and our actions. Instead of allowing God to govern our mind and our actions. And other religious groups, man, they're just notorious of this. And I know this firsthand because my wife is formerly LDS. And it's so many times you can challenge someone in their faith and say, hey, um, uh, here's, what, is, what about this? And it brings up doubt in their mind and like, oh, I'm not really sure. And they don't do anything about it. They don't do anything about it. It's like they stick their head in the sand and just don't do anything about it. And we as Christians, we're equally to blame at that. So many people, you have the atheist friend, the teacher, the professor, the coach, the family member that says, well, what about this? And then we just go, I don't know. Oh, well. And then it shapes the way and then we kind of disbelieve something about God. Or even worse, we believe something about God instead of allowing God to govern our minds. We need to have rock, solid faith and foundation. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock, who is Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus says we need a firm foundation. That foundation is built on the Bible. It is built on Jesus, his words. And if we don't know his words, then we don't have a firm foundation. Just coming to church isn't going to erase all your doubts. Just showing up and attending church, that's just the sand. But what takes you to the firm foundation of the rock is knowing God's word, reading his word daily, and allowing it to seep into our heart and into our life. And then when those doubts come up, we selectively hear, not our own doubts, even though they'll be there, but we selectively hear and go, no, God says this, and this is where I've taken a stand, and I'm gonna allow that to govern my life. And that will bring peace and life through it. And I can tell you the times that I have not been connected to God, not reading my Bible, not praying, not worshiping. I've had a lot of doubts in my life too. 
I've doubted if God really cares for me. I've doubted my salvation before. I've doubted if God exists. And the times that I've been in that spot is the times that I am not connected to God. I feel like I can do it on my own. I can do whatever and just kind of live my own life. But the times that I've been connected to God and I'm reading my Bible, I'm worshiping, I'm praying, I'm asking in faith, I see God answer this prayer. And I see God answer this prayer. I see God uh, provide in this area. I, I, I can feel his presence and, and, and know that he's working in my life as I, as I uh, kind of take his words and put them in my heart. And I know that and I feel it. And I'm, it's like God is so, it's like 110% real. And I could have someone come up to me and say like, hey, did you know God doesn't exist? And I'd be like, what? God doesn't exist? Your mom doesn't exist. What are you talking about? God doesn't exist. Of course he exists. I mean, we have to have a firm foundation. Otherwise, it's just going to be wavering back and forth, and our minds will be governed by the flesh. Our minds will be governed by the doubt, and that will create disbelief and then ultimately belief on what we believe about God versus governing through the Holy Spirit, which brings peace and life. There will always be the presence of doubt, and there will always be uncertainty when we have bold faith. But when we take a stand on God's word, when we choose to selectively hear only God's words in our life, our minds are no longer governed by the flesh, but instead governed by the Holy Spirit, which brings us peace. That's what I want. And that's what I want our church to have. Let's go after that. Let's be unwavering Christians that are built upon the rock and not the sand. That's what will change your atheist friend. That's what will change your Mormon friend. That's what will change our community. That's what will change your family or your neighborhood or our city. That's what will change our world is unwavering faith built on the foundation of God. Absolute truth, not the gray stuff. Absolute truth. This is what God's word says. And if we don't do that, we'll just be tossed back and forth and we'll be governed in a different way. But we can be governed by the Holy Spirit, which will bring us peace. And that is by going after God, building on his rock. Let's do that. Let's be a church that, that selectively chooses to hear God's word and takes a firm stand on biblical principles, on what the Bible says. And through that, God will change our city and our community. And ultimately, it'll change our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is good. We thank you, Jesus, that you sent your son to die for us, God. Lord, we love you. God, help us where we doubt. Bring clarity where we doubt, Lord. Interject where we doubt. Fill us this morning. And those of you who've come, I wouldn't want to leave this service where those of you who may feel like you doubt whether you're saved or not. I want to give you an opportunity right now to know 100% sure that you will be with Jesus tomorrow if you died today. And if you've, if you've prayed a prayer before, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But those who believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with their mouth, those will be saved. And if you've done that before, you can rest assured that you've been saved. You don't need that doubt to enter your mind anymore. But if you haven't done that, 
you're not sure if you've actually taken that step, I want to give you the opportunity right now to know 100% sure that you will be saved. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. So just as everyone's praying, would you just repeat this prayer after me just in your own mind and heart? Heavenly Father, God, forgive me for where I've sinned. I believe in you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. I want to live a life following you. And I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I love you and thank you for that. If you just prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand so so I know that you prayed that? Good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You can know now, friend, that you will be with Jesus 100%. And you never have to doubt from this day forward whether you're going to be with him or not. God, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you that you are good. Thank you for salvation. God, bring us clarity. Give us a passion and a pursuit to follow you and to build our lives on the rock and have a solid foundation. God, we want to hear from you. And only you. We love you and thank you. And pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So here's my challenge for you as we go out. Those of you who, who have some of those doubts or questions in your mind, challenge you to ask a friend, a Christian friend, ask a pastor, do some research, and take a stand. Those of you um, who are currently not in a Bible reading program, start that today. Leave here and make it your first priority to get hooked up, whether it's on your iPad or your iPhone through YouVersion Bible app. There's tons of Bible reading plans. You can go to lifecenternorth.org under resources and the Bible reading plan. And we have a new, we have the daily reading plan every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can go on there and look at the Bible reading plan for the day. Do that. Let's build a foundation on Jesus starting this week and moving forward. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week at church.